0: What are you talking about? Hell no. Uh Uh-uh, that ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just want to keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh Uh-uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You got to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start... This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's going to start. Yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's going to start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. Yes, yes, real indeed. Thank you for tuning in to Real Spiel. At whatever point in your day you're choosing to listen to the podcast, morning, afternoon, evening, or night, Just know this episode is being recorded Tuesday, June 18th around 8 o'clock p.m. If you would be so kind to leave us a five star review on whatever podcast platform it is you're listening to these days, Apple, Spotify or the always wonderful anchor, please do so. Five star reviews do a huge service towards boosting our efforts here to provide the most original and informative content available on the interwebs and other platforms we elect to peruse. All that being said, anything less than a five-star review, and I'm inclined to believe, as my cousin Bomani Jones says on the right time on ESPN Radio, you might be a hater. But please leave a comment. We welcome all forms of constructive criticism and will do our best to intertwine them with the way we deliver content moving forward. The theme of today's podcast is going to focus on a few different subjects, as they all do, but Principle among them will be the 2020 election campaign, because I've been doing some reading and writing and listening to different news platforms, and I haven't necessarily liked what I've heard. Obviously, every few years, there's a rush to judge, critique and poll candidates before most Americans are even familiar with their stance on different topics. So I'm going to take this opportunity to outline a few of the Democratic candidates background, as well as where they stand on different subjects and how the media has been portraying them, or at least the way I perceive they've been portrayed by the media. I'm only going to get into the candidates who are polling high enough to grace the first Democratic debate stage, which is going to take place June 26 on MSNBC. And regardless of the network's political leanings, I definitely suggest everyone checks it out just so you can see to believe if some of these perceptions hold true. Um, one of them will be author, Mary Williamson, who I honestly hadn't heard of before today. So I'll allow you to do your own research on that candidate probably should have done a little more Googling before I started recording this, but whatever you've got internet, uh, the former governor of Colorado is going to be standing next to her. And I am somewhat familiar with him just because John Hickenlooper was part of the coalition that helped legalize cannabis in the state back in 2012. I'm sure the only reason he's on that stage polling at about four or 5% is because he got a huge boost from the weed community. Good for him. We have uh, Andrew Yang standing next to him, who is the UBI guy and serial entrepreneur known for his repetitive messaging around factory workers in middle America, losing their jobs to automation, truck drivers, etc. He's been really, really hard on that point, And I don't know if it's going to be enough to propel him to a full presidency. I mean, if you're only talking about the economy, which, yes, is a big problem in America, but it isn't perceived as a big problem. While Trump's been in office, he's been promoting the fact that the economy's doing well. Now, whether or not that's a fact and has anything to do with him is a different subject for another podcast. But unless you're a truck driver in middle class America, this issue doesn't impact you directly enough to think it necessitates eleven hundred dollars universal basic income for everyone over the age of 18 across all of America. I believe Andrew Yang may have been better suited for an economic advisory role within one of the other presidential candidates' cabinets. And ultimately, that might be where he ends up, as we saw with Trump and Ben Carson, our current Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Mr. Oreo himself. Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles in these presidential races. Guys don't necessarily end up where they sought out. And I use the term guys loosely because there are women running But for the purposes of this podcast, I'm just discussing them in the order they're going to be standing next to each other on that first Democratic debate stage, June 26th. So next to Yang, we're going to have the gay mayor from South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. And again, I'm using these labels because that's the way they've been delivered to me via most media outlets. I would have never known Pete Buttigieg was gay had he not told me directly. Well, not directly. I didn't talk to him on the phone, but in interviews and any chance he gets an opportunity to discuss his lifestyle he talks about the fact that he's a homosexual mayor from south bend indiana with strong christian values so essentially he's using the complexities around his own personality as a microcosm for what america is a bunch of different ideologies and a bunch of different belief systems coming together to create a great country or in this case a great candidate for president of the country Personally, I think he'd be better suited as a governor candidate before moving into the presidential race. But this new landscape where political unknowns can come in and just bum rush the whole system. has created a lot of confusion around striking while the iron's hot. And it started with President Obama, who was a relatively unknown junior senator that proved you can be successful as a president, regardless of the circumstances surrounding your election. And speaking of Obama... We'll have Obama-lite Biden standing next to Pete Buttigieg on that same debate stage. And I call him Obama-lite Biden because we all know that's the only reason people are even excited about him running for president. It's because he was Obama's vice president. Joe Biden has a long history of inappropriate political gaffes, just all types of random acts that would immediately discount him from the presidency were he not vice president under one of the most popular presidents in modern American history. This is 100% hangover from 2008 to 2016, hoping that there's enough nostalgia surrounding Obama's popularity to elect Biden and ultimately oust Trump. But he's being destroyed internally by his own party because they deem him a creepy old man. And you know what? They're probably right. Because all old men are creepy in one way or another. If you could pull up Twitter, if there was a Twitter for when they were back in high school, college, etc. And pull up that Rolodex of things they've said, like they're going to be able to pull up on us when we're 70. It's going to be some real crazy shit that they would have said. And it was deemed socially acceptable for the times. But the fact that he takes awkward photos with children or hugs for a little too long now shouldn't immediately dissuade people from voting for him. If anything, it should be the fact that he would be a terrible president. Next to Biden is who I believe would and should have been the 2016 Democratic candidate for election, Bernie Sanders, old school Democratic Socialists, Were he given a fair shake by the DNC and head of it, Elizabeth Wasserman Schultz. I'm not gonna get into that scandal. You can Google it for yourself who she is and how she played a part in making sure Trump won the 2016 election. I think he would have won. And um, he's got a decent shot at shaking things up this time around, but his messaging is repetitive and it's a little outdated. The top 1% owns 98% of all the wealth. We got it. Now, what have you been doing to change that for the last 40 years? Besides attempting to take money from rich people to pay off all these different social programs that you want to institute, why do you go on honeymoon in Russia? It's just strange to me. All that being said, I like Bernie. He marched with Martin Luther King, allegedly, and he says a lot of things that I can agree with. And as I said, I think he would have won in 2016 had he been given the opportunity to run against another crazy old white man, a crazier old white man in a lot of ways. Standing next to Sanders will be the female Barack Obama, as many political pundits have labeled her, Senator Lock 'em Up Kamala Harris. And I use the moniker Senator Lock 'em Up because of her history as a prosecutor in California, which, again, I'll let you Google. All I'll say about it is her past is definitely checkered when it comes to prosecuting young black males in the state for victimless crimes, mainly drug offenses. She's come out since then and said, she learned a lot from those experiences and recognized the fact that in the system black people and minorities and you know lower class individuals in general are forced to plead guilty to crimes that they may or may not have committed just because they don't want to have to pay these exorbitant court fees or exorbitant bonds and end up losing their house or end up losing their car or end up not being able to provide for their kids' college education. I mean, there are a lot of different things that go into those decisions to plead guilty. It's just like when a rich person has to pay a civil lawsuit. It doesn't necessarily mean they were guilty of a crime. It just means sometimes it's cheaper to pay the lawyers to handle everything. My only question for Senator Harris would be, If you recognize that narrative exists now, what were you doing to change it back then when you had the power to? Because we can't change the past, but you benefited from locking up young black boys. You benefited off the backs of young black boys at a time we were being labeled and mischaracterized as super predators by the very woman who... We destroyed for not being in touch enough with black America, so much so she chose to go on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and lie about carrying hot sauce in her purse like she's Beyonce. And I'm not engaging in the knee-jerk reaction towards comparing female candidates simply for the fact they share a gender. I'm just acknowledging the immense workload ahead of Kamala Harris if she plans on garnering the majority of popular votes from lower and middle class black Americans. On top of everything I just mentioned, a fact I shouldn't even have to bring up is that she's married to a white dude, so we know the way the landscape of America works socially. They ain't ready for that. If Obama was married to a white woman, he would not have been the first black president. I can guarantee you that. And for any people who have questions about why, open the history book, man. Now, last but certainly not least of the candidates I'm going to discuss in this little diatribe It's Kirsten Gillibrand, and I talked about her on the last podcast. She's essentially Hillary Clinton's younger twin, to bring up Hillary again. She is the senator from New York right now, and she's having problems even getting funding in her own state. So I presume she'll bow out in the next few months. The Quinnipiac poll in Florida right now has Biden polling at 50 percent and Trump at 41 percent, but polls are all BS at this point, And even Trump said himself in the 60 minute segment that he did with George Stephanopoulos. Another thing I suggest everyone check out. I know we have this Trump hangover where we don't want to pay attention to anything that has to do with him as a candidate or as our president, but we have to recognize he's both. All right. He's up for reelection and he has been up for re-election since the day he was inaugurated. He's the only president to file paperwork for reelection on the same day he was inaugurated. So this dude is all about winning and it's going to be winning in the face of people who thinks he can't. So we all need to prepare for the fact that this list of candidates I just named who's beating him. Because I don't see any clear defeat in 2020 for him on that list. The only person I legitimately see defeating Trump at this point is himself with his mouth. And if you check out that 60 minute interview I just talked about, you'll see how he might be in the process of doing that. But I could just outline a few reasons I personally don't rock with Trump. Right. And it's got nothing to do with all of his political leanings. I mean, sometimes he'll say things that I agree with. I mean, on Fox News once, he said he'll sit in the room with war generals, warlords, the type of people who want war to go on all the time, like Mad Dog Madison, these type of people. And he'll ask, why can't we pull troops out of a region? And they'll say, no, we can't do that. So it just kind of shows the lack of power president has when it comes to foreign affairs. You know, this is a dude who's openly saying on a conservative news network, I don't want to be in all these countries invading. I don't want to be in North Africa. I don't want to deploy 100 troops there. He was forced to. So when Trump says things like that, it has a tendency to go in one ear and out the other of people who hate him for all types of other reasons. But you have to recognize this is a dude who's in the office of president in a position of power saying something that we can all agree with to some extent. And people don't want to hear it but people don't want to hear it because it's hard to separate candidate Trump from president Trump from the person Trump. And ultimately I don't think there is any delineation. They're the same human being. When he says things, we have to take them with a grain of salt, analyze for ourselves, and use both sides of our brain to make a logical conclusion. Part of intelligence is the ability to hold two competing narratives at the same time and understand one isn't correct. And one is, you have to have your own moral compass. And if you're relying on a president to dictate that for you, you're already a lost soul and you probably shouldn't be voting. You probably need to be working on yourself. But some of the problems I have with Trump run much deeper and it has to do with just a overall lack of historical knowledge or insensitivity to certain racial issues that go on in America. I mean, the fact that He was associated with the Central Park Five, calling for their death before any facts of the case had been released. The fact he has told willful lies about voter turnout and about uh, not knowing David Duke or his ties to the KKK, or even at one point saying he hadn't heard of the KKK as a hate group. The fact former CIA directors that I actually uh, appreciate, like Mike Hayden, who is a Bush appointee denounce him based on poor foreign affairs experience and just being a puppet for Kim Jong-un and Putin And I know people say that all the time about him being a puppet for Putin but we have to consider the fact that Russia wants sanctions lifted economically and Trump was in the best position to do that if he became president Putin was never going to ingratiate himself enough with Hillary Clinton to the point that she was going to lift those sanctions so Putin saw a way to do that and we know that there are huge huge server farms all across Eastern Europe and different parts of the uh, the world that they are just generating fake accounts to stoke the flames of discontent in America on Facebook on Twitter on different social media platforms we that's all fact this is all documented you can look the stuff up people want to talk about bots and Russia not winning the election no Russia didn't win the election for Trump people won the election for Trump but We can't deny bots role in the process and anyone who scrolls Instagram on a regular basis knows bots are a real thing. But even if he had a great relationship with the intelligence community, I can't get with Trump because he retweets neo-Nazi accounts knowingly. He retweets Jerry Falwell Jr. when he says we need reparations for the first two years of Trump's presidency because that was stolen from us. He's already dog whistling to his base that we're delegitimizing the 2020 election the same way he dog whistled in 2016 that there will be riots if I don't win, even though he didn't win the popular vote. It's just ridiculous. And a person who's leader of a country should understand the context around saying things like that. And I think he does. He's smart enough to understand the power he has. He's just wielding it in a very irresponsible way. Another thing that bothers me about Trump is I think he gets a kick out of putting minorities in positions where we have to fight our own. So you look at Ben Carson, the secretary of housing and urban development. I'm sure Trump know full or knew full well as a person whose own slums in New York, whose own apartment buildings. He recognized that those places are occupied mostly by brown folks. Now, a legitimate argument can be made that if he didn't put a minority in that position, he would have been chastised for the fact that you have a white person lording over a bunch of brown folks. But, you know, you can't please everyone. I just think it's interesting that Art Del Cueto is also president of National Border Security, and he has to go on networks like Fox and explain that, oh, no, these aren't concentration camps. They're detention centers where kids can play board games and watch movies and eat cookies. Okay, then why did you strip them from their family and put them in this detention center? Why are they in detention? When I was in high school, detention was bad. You don't want to go to detention. But it just seems like a high-level form of cockfighting Trump's engaged in, like Django Unchained for politics in the 21st century. I don't like it. Also, the black people he's chosen to befriend are just way too corny for me. And I'm not just talking about Ben Carson. I'm talking about Sheriff David A. Clark from Milwaukee. He's just one of these guys that you can tell you wouldn't want to take to the barbecue, you wouldn't want to smoke cigars with, you wouldn't want to share whiskey with. He's the type of dude that you bring up uh, James Brown, he'll start talking about Elvis. Like he was tweeting out pictures of John Wayne on his birthday, saying this guy's way handsomer than I am, bro. Any black dude that's self-respecting would not talk about John Wayne being more handsome than he is, especially not an older age black dude. He's supposed to be an OG. He's supposed to be looking at racist cats like John Wayne talking about, oh, yeah, this is my type of guy right here. An Old American. Get the, get the fuck out of here. will not you post a picture of Shaft or some shit? John Wayne didn't even want black people to be leaders. He said that in a Playboy interview from 1971. So do some research on your heroes, Sheriff Clark. Another thing I find interesting on the laundry list of things to find intriguing about this administration is that he's had the highest turnover amongst some of the positions in his cabinet. And I could go down the names, but there are really too many to list, like Sean Spicer, Tony the Mooch Scaramucci, Tom Price, uh, Mike Flynn as National Security Advisor. I mean, just... Do your own Googling, as I've said throughout many of the points in this podcast, but that's enough about the 2020 campaign. I hope you enjoyed some of my two cents on it and you have some insight to, you know, further your perspective on how to make some decisions in 2020. But one last thing to watch out for are deep fake videos, because CNN did mention the biggest threat to a lot of the people running will be deep fakes. And I think a lot of them will be better off if they just put a deep fake of certain candidates over these comedians talking instead of them. Like if I could see some of those people from SNL do their impressions of Trump or Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi, et cetera, with the faces of the actual people on top of them, that'd be much more entertaining. And I think that's pretty much the direction we're headed in anyway. Oh, man, I forgot to get into top problems for Democrats in 2020. Um, You guys probably already know them. I'll just list them real quick. Overcrowded field, uh, unwillingness to embrace uniformity and messaging, because that's just something Republicans do way better than liberals. They get on one message and they stick to it, no matter how crazy it is. Uh, A seemingly strong economy, which I already discussed earlier, whether or not it's true. Some people feel it. Some people don't. Uh, faith in American morality. So, Democrats think way too strongly that people just don't vibe with Trump's morals. I don't think that's true. I think most people don't care that he's had sex with a porn star. Most people don't care about his infidelity. Most people don't have any opinion about the way that he speaks uh, in regards to brown people. So, uh, all this stuff is, you know, pointing to the idea that. You guys have to change people's minds, not rely on their minds being changed because Trump says mean things. Uh, Gerrymandering and voter suppression. We can get into that on another podcast. Eric Holder had a great segment on Vice News where he was traveling across the country trying to combat voter suppression and gerrymandering. Uh, Inability to combat negativity and way too focused on polls early on because they mean nothing. And anyone who's familiar with political strategy, to any extent knows that they mean very little this early in the race. But I think that's all I wanted to get into. Uh thank you again for tuning into Real Spiel. At whatever point in your day you're listening to this, again, just know it was being recorded Tuesday, June 18th, around 8 PM. You are much appreciated and you would be much more appreciated if you left us a five-star review on whatever lovely platform you're electing to listen to this podcast. Thanks again. We'll be back next week, maybe earlier than that, to talk some sports and crazy stories in media. Bill Cosby, OJ Simpson hopping back on Twitter, IG people taking pictures at Chernobyl, some chick that I know pronouncing Chernobyl churn ball. Uh, yeah, people are funny. Y'all are great. Uh, appreciate the support. Much love and um, see you next week. Thanks project living high tech sippin my niggas rocking blue but
1: nah, i ain't crippin keep a gang of hoes dog but nah, i ain't pimpin look holy god blow! see my people die slow the man in the mirror is my only rival pulled up finally a man can you comprehend making ways to put some green in my empty hand just picture me rolling somewhere on stage getting blazed and wise words being quoted Fill my lungs up with this and Got him jumping out the motherfucking gym Tony Rowan, keep the roof open Don't fret over mistakes we all made so My mama say if you a me Be a big one And you can love these women, don't save them yeah, you kill all these women don't save her. Searching for money and lost your soul I shed tears for years, we let the good times roll Always knew we see the day we see our dreams unfold Sister fed me real shit cause it was good for my soul Living proud damn moments, watch our kids grow old Always see the brightest side when them, the world turn you cold You know what it is, New Park, sovereign. Touchdown with the TTG, 813, where you at? Uh, tell them Look, I've been going through some things seen some shit I can't explain Been fantasizing by change Trying to unleash all this game My mama preaching the word I ain't hearing the word I'm just trying to catch this to Do it play dude outside on the curb I see niggas, ain't where they turn They sped it up and crash and burn Boy, these niggas don't never learn Your position, you gotta earn Jackboy scoping this all, lies on me I keep a 30, especially Bring you down to your knees I gotta pray to my father I got concerns and confessions I was stressed, facing depression Used to sleep on the floor My mama kept my blanket Cause I knew she was cold I'm staying down and looking up My cousin around here cooking up And I've been running from my ghost so I feel like Pac-Man And then I'm staying all black like Batman I pull up Bruce Wayne Hair laid back, seat back, window cracked And I'm smoking on that, yeah huh. Who is that on the scene? These bitches looking at a nigga And they faces look mean He's so clean Looking like the boy that helped out And now I come through, do this shit all by myself now. Pull up on your scene I knock the block off Ooh, these niggas rockin' all this knockoff And I be rockin' ball main two chains With the two things Nigga with the way back goin' Wu-Tang Bitches always having all these mood swings Call my phone with that boo thing Pull up on her late night Her nigga trippin', got all these guns That nigga can't fight That shit be on sight And my mama know I'm working. my life, it ain't right Same to him, man Some shit you can't explain. It's all in the past.